Community banks. That term begs two questions. Which community and which bank? The characteristics of the community mean everything as the community bank tries to cement its role in a time of regulatory and competitive pressures. Now more than ever, community banks have to rise to the occasion. To find out how one bank does it, we'll be talking to Nancy Graves, president and CEO of the Bank of New Jersey. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the Managing Editor at BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. It is wonderful to have you here with us. And on the podcast, we have Nancy Graves. Since April 2016, Nancy has served as president, CEO, and director of Bancorp of New Jersey Incorporated and for its subsidiary, Bank of New Jersey. Before she assumed those roles at Bancorp of New Jersey, she served in a variety of different positions, including CEO and president of PASCAC Community Bank and PASCAC Bancorp Incorporated. And Nancy, Great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Every community is different. Every community has its particular lay of the land that really influences its type of business. What are you seeing a lot of activity in at Bancorp of New Jersey, given where you're situated? We are in such a diverse community here, and that, I think, influences us more than I've seen even in the middle of the state, where I used to work, being so close to New York City, literally across the bridge. We have a very, very diverse market. About half of our market here is Asian, and that brings with it many opportunities for us to evolve in that area, which is a new market for us. But we need to recognize that. The Fort Lee area, where we're headquartered, also is a very diverse market, and we find a lot of our Chinese customers coming in and buying in our market. So there's a lot for us to learn and a lot of history for us to preserve. There has been so much spoken in the last few years about the pressures that community banks face on so many sides. How is Bancorp of New Jersey doing its best to stay out in front of those pressures and those changes? Bank of New Jersey has an interesting history. The bank was started about 11 years ago after many of the founding directors of our bank had sold their prior bank. Then they hit the recession being a de novo and really grew, but from an infrastructure perspective, had a lot of challenges facing the headwinds that you're speaking of. I came in in 16, as you mentioned. I brought with me an entirely new management team. So that's been our opportunity, I think, to retool. We have a very high real estate concentration and other challenges. And in the last 18 months, we've tackled and been successful in those. What lessons have you learned? What can you pass on in terms of continued success in this environment? Where we used to look at things maybe in three to five year windows from planning perspective, I find us doing that a couple times a year when it comes to reprioritizing the focus, whether it be regulatory, commercial real estate concentration, employee-based issues, benefits. I mean, every every few months, you know, you really have to take a fresh look because it can't wait two or three years anymore. Everything is moving quickly and priorities have to be changed. And we have to be a lot more nimble, I think, than we used to be. Technology has changed 
things in the banking industry. This has also been an issue for community banks. How are you keeping up with the challenges to stay current with banking technology right now? In our case, we have a third-party vendor. We don't have our own in-house system. But we are able to add on the products and the technology. It just takes a little bit longer, and it takes a lot more planning. While we're keeping up, I don't think that we have necessarily what I would call the cutting-edge technology that we'd like to have. And so that's really in the forefront of our minds. Fortunately, you know, you can purchase those things, and you really can have them and if you have a plan. So that is something that's very much a focus of ours. Another focus, growth. What's going to get you to the place where you want to be? Certainly things look healthy right now. Right. And yet there's always the look ahead. Our bank is much beloved in this market. And the founders are from here, the directors, many of our employees. So I think from an organic standpoint, we can even stay ahead of our competition. I think the difficulty is going to come to grow beyond that if you want to get to double your size the next few years. So that's going to call for some sort of strategic alliance. Banks of our size do have the opportunity to acquire smaller institutions. We have the breadth of knowledge to be able to manage a larger institution. So for us, I think that is a real opportunity. I'd be remiss not to say, however, that we are in one of the most desirable areas in the country, and that's not lost on anyone, that this is where everybody would like to be. With a new Fed chairman nominated and so much going on in the banking landscape that you can't control, what are you doing on the home turf to really pave the way forward to make business better in the months to come? I personally meet with customers and our senior team meets with customers. And what we talk about is each individual deal, the economics of the deal. So interest rates should not be that much of a concern if it's a good deal. And that's what we really talk about one by one. So if there's an eight or a $10 million deal and they have the land or they have the plan and the investors, we sit with them and encourage them to look at the economics And we usually can't compete on price. You know, you've got insurance companies and some of the large banks. So we try to really do that one by one and let them know if we have an appetite for the loan or not. So that, I think, is one way that we differentiate and have continued to grow our loan portfolio. The biggest challenge out there for us is the cost of deposits. We compete against the super regionals. The national banks are not as much of a concern, but the regional banks, they're growing and they really need the deposits also. Our rates here in northern New Jersey are double the rates in South Jersey, just as an example. So this is just the cost of funds in Bergen County and North Jersey and New York are just exceedingly high. Another way to win is through employee focus. And you've got a really unique approach that you take. Tell us about that. Right after I got here, we awarded stock options to every employee. And we issued those at $11 a share, and our stock today is at $18. Wow. We're seeing, you know, tellers, customer service people who have shares vesting bringing in a check and paying for their stock. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. We redid our 401k plan which had been top-heavy and made it a safe harbor plan. We share in a much higher reimbursement for health insurance than most of our peers. So we just really tried to focus more on the employees and also try to be very transparent with them because they've gone through a lot of change, obviously, with an entirely 
new management team in here. There's really no secrets here, you know? I mean, meetings are open. I explain things to them. I go out to the branches. I want everyone to understand that we had a lot of work to do, and we did that work. I think employee focus is you have to constantly be looking at what you're doing and retaining good people. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the other issues that you look at when you reprioritize several times a year? So you're looking at employee issues. What else? Cyber is just a huge issue for us, you know, all of us. We're constantly looking at that. I think at the M&A market, as you said, what's going on in the market, cost of funds. Our cost of funds is very high. How do you get them down? Well, you can do that through a combination. Obviously, if you have somebody that's got a lower cost of funds geographically than you do, that's that's a strategy to consider. So we're constantly looking at that. We're looking at the construct of the board or the committees, all the governance issues that go, because the bar is getting raised constantly by the regulators. And um, so we have to always be looking at that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, those are the kinds of things that they hone in on. There's a hunger out there for community banks to be acquired by larger banks. How do you guarantee your survival going into the future? Well, there are no guarantees, of course. Um, (laughs) I would say a couple of things. First of all, my background and my experience in banking, particularly on the regulatory side, is a pretty unusual mix. And it has permitted me to really be able to run a bank that can survive Dodd-Frank and not really suffer the cost. So I think that that's why we're really equipped to not only survive, but to take on smaller institutions who don't have the skill sets that this management team has. Now, as far as Dodd-Frank and the regulations, I don't think we're going to get any relief from that, that we can look forward to too much change. So... The way we're going to survive is that, you know, we've demonstrated our ability at my prior bank and at this bank to grow in this market and to survive the regulatory challenges. So I believe that performance speaks for itself. And that's what I think will attract smaller banks to want to join forces. And I think larger institutions would be attracted to our bank. But we want to remain in control of her own destiny at this point. <laughs> Which is a great thing to have control over and performance being that key metric that not only works in terms of how you operate with the outside community, but how you've operated as a bank, employee to employee. You've really set a standard for other community banks to follow. And it was great that you could share time with us on the podcast today to talk about that. Yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Nancy Graves is the president and CEO and director of Bancorp of New Jersey Incorporated and its subsidiary Bank of New Jersey. You can look for Nancy on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, re-strategize and reprioritize every few months or so to take a fresh look at the issues that affect you most. That runs the gamut from how you treat your employees to taking stock of your technological goals. M&A issues, compliance, and regulation should also be high on your list every time you re-strategize during your yearly reality checks. Number two, for community banks, one pressure and one challenge that will always exist in comparison to their bigger bank competitors is the race to stay current with technology but cutting-edge technology can now be purchased. So take a good look at what's out in the market 
as third-party vendors can accelerate your journey into a high-tech digital era. And number three, for community banks, it still equals community ties. Yet banks need to be smart, granular, and specific as to what community ties mean. Ask yourself, why are you beloved? That is, why are your commercial and consumer clients doing business with you as opposed to another financial institution? How do your employees engage differently from the competition? The common themes that emerge can turn into common denominators that will help ensure your success in the months and years to come. Not just in New Jersey, but everywhere, the community bank conundrum is, of course, how will community banks survive into the future? What if there was a technology that could help community banks not only survive, but compete with their bigger bank brethren? Jim Kittredge is the host of Future Bank Today, which is a YouTube channel dedicated to innovation community and the spread of ideas. Listen to his inspiration for how community banks can compete and win. The answer is actually quite simple. They need to build out a nonprofit community bank-owned entity that offers a cloud-based universal teller workstation. Here, let me explain a little further of how it would work. A member bank would reserve one teller line that has the capability to process foreign transactions as local transactions for basic retail banking needs. Since today, all banks have an online presence, building a cloud service that would allow for access to the current balance should be a straightforward proposition. To be sure, Kittredge has a very interesting idea. However, as simple and elegant as it sounds, is it an idea that is so easy to replicate that a fintech could do it or that others not even in the banking sphere could do it? Perhaps it's a case of back to the future where banks still have to rely on relationships, not just in the community or in the cloud, but with everyone they deal with. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org and look for us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. We hope you tune in next week when a new podcast goes up and you can look for me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.